0: We're going to continue our series called Battling Our Emotions, and um, this battle for our emotions includes a lot of things. Unfortunately, we don't have time to go through all of them. Today we're going to talk about battling the emotions of inferiority and low self-esteem. One Christian counselor that I read said that probably, no way to prove this, but probably as much as 95% of all human beings at some point in their life, if not regularly over time, will struggle with this. I will tell you that I struggle with this sometimes. And again, I'll explain in a minute. Look at Psalm 139. What does David say, beginning in verse 13? For you created, speaking to God, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. And I know that full well. David said, I know something completely. I know it full well. What do I know, David? What is it that you know so well? I know that I am wonderfully made. And that everything God makes, your works, are wonderful. So here's what I'm going to tell you this morning. You and I are wonderful. You're wonderful. I don't always act wonderful, but I'm wonderful. I am a wonderful guy. So if you ever talk to anybody and say, Do you know Bill Crockett? Yeah, he's a wonderful guy. And so are you. Well, why am I wonderful? Because you think I'm wonderful? No. I'm wonderful because God says I'm wonderful. The Bible says God made us. And He made us wonderfully. So here's the deal. If you don't like the way you're made, go tell God He screwed up. Hey, God, you blew it with me. Yeah, no, no, no. I was supposed to be... 30 pounds lighter and a lot richer. And that car I drive, no, no, God, you messed up. It was supposed to be a lot bigger, a lot more expensive. And and these clothes I wear, okay, now look, this is going on a diet stuff. It's got to stop. God, you need to just make them clothes fit me. God, you messed up because I don't like myself. The point is, God made me. And He made me wonderful. And He made you wonderful. Yeah, there's things about our life that we would like to change. Hey, He can do that too if we just let Him. But you're wonderful. You're not rotten. You're not no good. You're not worthless. You are wonderful unless God screwed up and He don't do that. Now, how do I deal with it? Bill, that all sounds great. And I'm glad you tell me that God thinks I'm wonderful. I don't think I'm wonderful. And I know God does but how do I get over that? I need something real that I can hang on to to help me get through this and get past this. All right, let's look at this. All right, first of all, what causes inferiority? What, what causes this low self-esteem kind of thing? Several things here. Number one, bad theology. Thinking that God doesn't love me, God would never like me. Um, I mean, how, how could God love me the way I am? By the way, are we sinners? Sure we are. We are. I mean, we all are. So we're not perfect. Romans 8, verses 38 through 40 says nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Okay? Number two, sin and guilt. How could God ever forgive me for what I did? How would God ever forgive me for what I did? First John 1, 9 says if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just and He will forgive us. 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10, we'll read that in a minute. Paul talks about I am what I am by the grace of God. In a minute I'm going to show you that one phrase, that one verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 10, is the key to overcoming inferiority and low self-esteem. That one verse. And we'll talk about it in a minute. Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ. How could God forgive me? Easy. He's God. He says He will. Yeah, but you don't know what I've done. doesn't matter. Jesus hung on that cross for the sins of the whole world, no matter what they are. Number three, this may be the most common comparison to others. I can never be as good as they are. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 12, this is where Paul tells the Corinthians you are measuring yourselves by yourselves and comparing yourselves among yourselves, and that is not wise. That's not wise. Most people battle with this, if they do, because of that. I'm not as good as they. This is one, by the way, Galatians six four says the same thing. It's not wise to compare ourselves among ourselves. One of the things that we're doing is our, our ministry, and, and we use sermon audio and we record our lessons and we put them out there, and, and I'm thankful that people listen to them, but... Um, Roger was actually at my house last night. We were working on some of this. I have to take audio files and I have to edit them, even to put them on sermon audio. I have to listen to myself doing this. One of the things that our ministry wants to do is we want to video and take these audio versions and put them into Bible study sets and and offer them to people to buy, to help them with their life. Here's my problem. I listen to those things and I wonder... Who in their right mind would ever spend money for this? I sound like a country hick. Who in their right mind would ever pay money to buy this? I listen to guys like Chuck Swindoll and Charles Stanley and Andy Stanley and these guys that are Great Bible teachers and wonderful speakers that I listen to. Ed Carney. And I think, why would anybody want to listen to me? And I struggle with that. I'm just being honest. One of the hardest things for me to do (coughs) in getting this stuff ready is to figure out, once I get it ready, why would anybody want it? And I honestly think that sometimes. Why? Why? Because of that. I'm comparing myself to everybody that's better than me. We can't do that. I'm going to show you why in just a minute. Number four, parent-child relationships. Being constantly put down by your parents, you never do anything right. This normally comes into play when you find someone who has battled with this for a long time. Unfortunately, there are many types of child abuse. This is one. You never do anything right. Nothing's ever good enough. Ephesians six four, fathers, provoke not your children to anger, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now that says it's wrong for a parent to do that. Does that give me an excuse to live the rest of my life thinking low of myself or inferior? No, it does not. Because you'll notice, if I think that way and I live that way with his attitude, I cannot be effective for Christ. Because basically what I'm saying is, God, you messed up. I'm no good. I'm not valuable. I'm not as good as. God, you messed up. So and ultimately, we're mad at God if this is how we feel all the time. So we've got to learn how to get over this. Number five, unrealistic expectations. By the way, this is normally one we throw on ourselves. Perfection. If you're a perfectionist, I have a tendency to kind of be like that. I ain't perfect at nothing, but I like to think I am. And the bottom line is, nothing's ever good enough. Well, you can't live that way. Did you know we're not perfect? We are sinners and we all make mistakes. And we are going to continue to make them the rest of our life. So I need to just learn how to handle them and deal with them and don't beat myself up every time I'm not perfect. Because I am going to be bruised really, really bad if I do that. And then, number six, pressure from the world. The pressure to keep up with the Joneses, materialism. First John 2, 15-17 Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Many man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, And the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abides forever. So, what is this? This is that part that says, all of my friends and all of our group, they have better jobs than I do. They make more money. They wear nicer clothes. They drive nicer cars. They... Um, Get promotions all the time. There is the appearance of material and worldly success. First, is there anything wrong with that? Is there anything wrong with being successful like that? No. Nothing wrong with that. Where does that come from? God. Promotion comes from God. That's where it comes from. So if I'm not there... Again, I need to go have a talk with God because it's His fault. If He didn't put me there and I'm mad because I ain't there and they are, God, you and me need to have a talk. I think you messed up again. (coughs) Question. Has God ever messed up? No. If I'm not there, then God's got a reason for me not being there. By the way, We'll talk about this in a minute, but um... just because they appear to be there, <clears throat> don't mean they're there. We'll talk about that in a minute, okay? So what is the key to overcoming all this? First Corinthians chapter 15. Turn there with me, please. First Corinthians chapter fifteen, verse number nine. How do I overcome inferiority and low self-esteem? First Corinthians 15 verse nine. Paul is writing, he says this. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle. Does that sound like somebody that is starting out a little bit of an inferiority complex conversation? I'm the least. I don't even deserve to be one. But he doesn't stop there. Look at verse 10. But. Paul says, I don't have an inferiority complex. I realize who I am But let me tell you why I'm confident in who I am now. But, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Bill Crockett is who he is because of the grace of God. Not because of Bill Crockett. If Bill Crockett thinks he is who he is because of Bill Crockett, that's pride. If I'm confident in who I am and happy with who I am, and understand my value with who I am because of God, that's totally different. (coughs) So, here's the key. How do I overcome inferiority? Understand who I am in God's eyes. Not mine. Not everybody else's. Who am I in God's eyes? Because after all, His eyes are the only ones that count. Nobody else's matters. Now, let's look at three things real quick, and, uh, and this really will be quick. We're going to define these three terms, self-image, self-esteem, and self-love. A lot of misconceptions about these things, and if you go to one extreme or the other, for example, the power of positive thinking, you need to think good about yourself. Why? How you answer that part of the question will determine whether or not you're doing it right. Okay? So we, we want to answer What are these things? And biblically, how should they be viewed? Okay? So first of all, self-image. Question. What is an image? If we have a projector and we shoot a picture up on that screen over there, that is, and let's say it's a picture of all of us, then that is an image of our class. Okay? That's an image. It's a picture. Okay? A self-image is your own personal picture of yourself. If you were given a canvas... And, unlike me, you had the ability to draw. And you were asked to draw yourself. What would you look like? Now, I can help you get an idea. What do you think you look like in your mind? How do you look in your own mind to yourself? Okay? That's what this is. So self-image is the picture I would paint of myself. By the way, don't worry. That's my grandson. He is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, the picture I would paint of myself, uh, it, it may look like this. Whether I'm successful or not materially, um, what my talents are, either I'm good at it or not good at it. What I look like, I'm good looking or ugly. A lot of times that depends on who I compare myself to. <laughs> um But those are the the types of things that create our self-image. What we look like. Let me tell you this. Changing your self-image by conjuring up some picture of yourself without good reason to have that picture of yourself, i.e. the power of positive thinking, ain't going to change a thing. It's like living in fantasy land at Disney World. that, That ain't me. There are a lot of things I wish I could make myself. Tinkerbell and fly away. I can't. I mean, I can't. I, I used to envision myself taking a handoff in the NFL, running over linebackers. I'd love to look like that, but I don't. And I never have, and I never will. That That's just not me. So, coming up with this fantasy land picture of myself doesn't solve the problem, but image is important. Now, where do a lot of these pictures of ourselves come from? Let me give you three examples real quick. Number one, comparison with others. We talked about that. And Paul clearly said that's not a good thing. Okay, Don't paint a picture of who God made you based upon comparing yourself to somebody else. God didn't look at somebody else and say, okay, let me think now. Um, this person looks like this over here. I think um, Kenny Williamson. I think I'll make Kenny look like this. Because... He's a little better than this guy, but oh, he's a whole lot worse than this guy over here. Did God do that? No. He didn't do it with Kenny or with me or you or anybody. We are made individually the way God wanted us to. Number two, my image sometimes comes from conversation of others. What other people say I'm supposed to look like. By the way, they tell you long enough you start believing it. Remember Job's friends? When Job went through all his trouble. Had he done anything wrong to deserve that? Yes or no? No. What? By the way, yesterday I read the first 23 chapters of the book of Job. Started reading, I couldn't stop. All through those 23 chapters, you know what them three guys kept doing? Over and over and over again. They kept telling him, Job, there's got to be something wrong with you. You've got to have done something wrong. There's no way God's going to let this happen to you if you hadn't done something wrong. The truth was, had He done something wrong? No. Something else was going on there. Alright? Don't listen to what other people say about you. Good or bad. You start listening to all the good stuff, we might start thinking we're better than we really are. Okay? Then number three. (coughs) Concepts about others. Remember Psalm 73 last week? ASAP. He said, I almost quit on God. Why? Because I saw the prosperity of the wicked. All these people don't care nothing about God they're all prospering. Here I am trying to live for God and I'm having a hard time. I almost quit. Why? Because of his concept of what they were like. When he got to the end of Psalm 73, God showed him what eventually was going to happen to them and he said, Oh, wait a minute. I'm glad I didn't quit. I didn't see that part. Now, this goes back to what we talked about about comparing ourselves with others. You see all these friends of yours that appear to be very successful, for example, materially. That's the most common. What you don't see is the debt column in their budget. A lot of people with low self-esteem or inferiority who think keeping up with the Joneses is the way to overcome that because that will make me feel important, they go into huge amounts of debt to try and appear to be successful. But ultimately, they're really not. It happens all the time. The book of Proverbs even talks about it. There is one who appears to be rich, yet has nothing. There are those that appear to be poor, yet have great riches. Okay? So, these are ways that our image can get marred. Okay? Now, how should it look biblically? What should my image look like biblically? Two things. Number one, I look like God. What do you mean? Genesis 1.27 says, He made us in His image. That must mean I'm made pretty good. He didn't make anything else in creation after His own image, but He made us. But number two, more importantly, as a believer, I am being made like Jesus. Romans 8, 29. Everybody knows Romans eight twenty eight. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. But verse 29 is just as important. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. And one day when I get to heaven, I'm going to be exactly like Him. First John 3, 2 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, but it doesn't yet appear what we shall be, for we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. Because we'll see Him as He is. What kind of image should I have of myself? I am a work in progress. And God is making me to look like Jesus. Whatever that is, it needs to appear in my life. Okay? So, that's what the picture in my mind ought to look like. It is a painting that is unfinished. And the great thing is, he's the painter, not me. So, just let him paint. Okay? Next, self-esteem. Now, this is different. Take your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 12. Let me show you something here. Self-esteem is different than my self-image. My self-image is the picture I have of myself. Self-esteem is my personal evaluation of... My worth, my value, my significance, and my importance. I can have a picture that says I look great. But have an evaluation that says even though I look great, I'm worthless. Nobody thinks I'm important. I'm not valuable. If I don't show up to the party, nobody will care. That's this. Okay? It's different from the image. This is my esteem. Look at Romans 12. Verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We all know this. Paul says, because of God's mercy, surrender my life to Him completely and understand and fulfill His purpose or plan or His will for my life. But look at verse number 3. How am I going to be able to do God's will for my life without verse number 3? Look at verse number 3. For by the grace given me. What I'm about to say is based upon the grace of God. Paul already told us that. In 1 Corinthians 15, I am what I am by God's grace. So by the grace that's been given to me, I say to every one of you, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Right there is where a lot of people stop. And you know what they say? Well, you shouldn't think highly of yourself at all. You are the scum of the earth. You dirty, rotten, no good, stinking sinner, you. By the way, are we dirty, rotten, no good, stinking sinners? Sure we are. But I don't stay that way. Because I am what I am by the grace of God. He changes that. Now notice what he says. He does not say, don't think highly of yourself ever at all. Think horrible of yourself. No, here's what he says. But, he's always using them. But, rather, instead of thinking highly of yourself, How should we think about ourselves? Think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Don't think bad about yourself. Think right about yourself. God didn't say think that you're terrible, but just think reality. I'm not a good person in and of myself, but by the grace of God, I can be anything God wants me to be. And I am worth something. I am valuable to God. I am significant in God's plan. And I am important to God's family. I am important, but only in view of what God thinks about me, not what everybody else thinks. Now, am I valuable to God? Here are six reasons why I know we're valuable to God. Number one, He created us in His image. Genesis 1.27 Jesus died for me. John 3.16 the angels guard me. Psalm 91, 11, and 12. As a believer, the Holy Spirit lives in me. 1 Corinthians six, nineteen. Heaven is being prepared for me. John 14, 2. And Jesus is going to come back, bless God, and get me one day. John 14, 3. Do you think I'm valuable to Him? If I'm not, why would He come back and get me? If I'm not, why would He do all that? Why would He tell His angels to watch over me if I'm not worth anything? My friend, we are very valuable to God. And it is the lie of Satan to make you think you're not worth anything. Because he doesn't want you to see your value in Christ. Because if you do, you're going to start bringing glory to God Doing what God made you to do. And Satan will lose. And he doesn't like that. Okay? Now, here it is real quick. How do we love ourselves the right way? How do we do this? Okay? Real fast. Uh, Matthew 22, verses 36-40. through 40, Ephesians 5.28. By the way, you know what Ephesians 5.28 says? Husbands are to love their wives as they love their own body. For no man ever yet hated his own body. But He takes care of it and He treasures it. He respects it. That describes how we love ourselves. So let me give you these five things real quick. Number one, I love myself when I realize I'm valuable to God. Number two, I love myself when I realize that I'm not the center of my world. God is. That's showing that I love myself. But I'm not the center of my world. God is. Matthew 6.33 Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Matthew 22.39 the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Number three, I love myself when I realize I need God's redemption and His forgiveness. Without Him, I'm not worth anything. With Him, I am worthy. First Corinthians 15, 1-7. Next, I show that I love myself when I treat myself with respect and dignity for the glory of God. In Philippians 1.20, Paul said, I don't want to ever be ashamed of Christ." in my body, but I want Him to be glorified in my body. Now, He's not going to be glorified if I don't think I'm worth anything. If I think I'm worthless and I'm no good. So He said, I want to be glorified. He treated Himself with respect and dignity. Why? Not for Himself. So God got glory in His life. And then number five, do my best to fulfill God's plan for my life. Romans 12, one 3 Find out what God's plan is for you and do it. That's where you're going to know and sense and feel the most valuable. If you're struggling with feeling like you're valuable, maybe it's because we haven't got a good picture of what it is God really put me here to do. Figure that out. Get involved in it. And that's where the value comes. We are valuable. We just are valuable in God's eyes. Okay? Now, there's a practical checklist. It's on your study sheet. I don't have time to go through each one. But these are the things we do when we feel this inferiority starting to hit us. Realize I'm important to God and He loves me no matter what. Put God first in my life. Accept God's forgiveness and forgive myself. Let go of my guilt. Do my best to glorify God in my attitude and actions. Because I'm not always going to do it perfect. I just do my best. And then find success... In God's plan for my life. Not in trying to make everybody happy. Okay? Now, next week, major issue. We're going to talk about depression. Of all the things, the emotions we'll deal with, this is the killer. Literally. This is where suicide happens. Next week, we're going to talk about what the Bible says about it. How to deal with it. and, uh, And even how you can help friends that you know who are battling with this. We'll talk about all that next week. Father... Thank You for Your Word. There's so much there. Thank You for loving us. Help us to understand and know we are valuable to You. And You have a perfect plan for our life. Lord, we love You. Thank You for making us who we are by Your grace. In Jesus' name. Amen.